0: going on everyone and welcome to another episode of writing friction and as always today's guest is pretty cool and actually someone i know everyone say hello to vlad holiday how are you vlad
1: how's it going i'm good
0: uh quick question before we even started i just forgot to ask you the violin behind you top your right shoulder (laughs) yeah is there there a story i think that i was that a thing you post on instagram you've been fucking with that
1: i have been fucking with it yeah um yeah that was one of those like uh quarantine uh hobbies that i took on uh and i'm i'm getting pretty good actually like i can hope yeah i i've been taking so i bought this from a, a store here in um in uh greenwich village uh called music Inn, okay and it's yeah if you, if anybody out there is interested to check out whether you're in new york or not there's like this, some like documentary on them on youtube i think but it's like a really insane um music store with all kinds of like instruments that you've never heard of and the owner also builds his own stuff it's it's like it's pretty insane it looks i can't even really describe what it looks like in the uh-huh. But anyway, I went there and I, and I bought this violin and I think it's like, I bought it for, I think 600 bucks, but it's worth like over two grand. Okay. And it's like, it's like a legit, I had, I had a friend look at, it. but
0: anyway, I'm, I'm sure a lot of classical violinists are happy to hear that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Quick. Is that the first time you have ever messed around with the fretless instrument?
1: um I, I must have picked one up before in my life but it, i I can never really get it to work all right and also it's you have to be so gentle with it it's so it's really weird going from guitar to violin because yeah uh you have to be in all, a lot of my instincts including vibrato vibrato is like completely of biopic, a different way um um a lot of my instincts i just had to like tell my brain to not think that way which was a, it, it's it has been a, a fun exercise and it feels kind of like playing chess or something like it feels like my brain is getting work workout
0: i always think of this is totally unrelated but still related i always think of the violin player in yellow card and for some reason uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that song popped into spotify like three months ago uh ocean avenue and man that was a fucking that was a ripper back in the day uh they know how to write a they know how to uh, write a tune but, i remember uh, that
1: i actually funny story real quick i i wrote a song with that guy um
0: what do you remember his name what's the dudes the blonde the main guy the shape? Yeah, yeah i think it's ryan it's I sad, think
1: he it's looks Ron-
0: like a, he looks like ryan like- <laughs> thing, so yeah
1: <laughs> um he's he's a nashville guy you know we wrote we wrote together and uh and he turned out to be a really cool guy. And, uh, but yeah, it's just funny. Cause like yellow card is uh, well, they're a, a huge band when, when we were younger.
0: You oh know? yeah. Oh yeah. Well, uh, let's go back to that. So you and I know each other. I mean, we've got, we go back a long time. Shit. Yeah. I mean, I probably, for people who don't know, Vlad and I grew up in a town called Mawa, North, Northern New Jersey. I couldn't, I I have no idea how old you were when you moved there. Uh, how, how old? I was 10.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you came straight from, correct me if I'm wrong, Romania, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. And when you moved here, when you were 10, I mean, were you fucking around any, I started playing guitar when I was 10. So were you doing any kind of music at that age at all? Or did it kind of come to you a little later?
1: No, I was 12 when I started. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I don't think I ever told you this, but you were a huge influence on me playing guitar, like for real.
0: Most uh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. The,
1: for real, you. So, if anybody doesn't know, you were in a few bands. Most definitely, uh, when, when we were in high school together, and I remember I was like, "Fuck, that's what I want. I want to. I want to be like Mike Johnson."
0: Mm. Like
1: You're the for first real.
0: person to ever say that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and the last. Yeah, um, definitely. And no uh, <laughs> no and then i remember i bought like a Wawa pedal off of you and i was like wow
0: okay cool.
1: yeah yeah he, like a, he, like one of those cry babies anyway um yeah so i started playing when i was 12 and i wanted to be in a band and yeah that kind of just took off from there and i literally have never done anything else with my life
0: yeah uh, well, since. I- like
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it, it was a little interesting because your your older brother played music with you, also, right? Yeah, yeah. And, so. and was it kind of? I forget. How did he? How did he end up the bass player? I mean, how did was? Did he ever try another instrument? It's so funny how musicians figure out the instruments. Right? I, I have yeah. theories. Like, I think every guitar player wants to be a drummer. Like, if you put a guitar, play, right? If if you give us dudes like yeah. uh, just. 20 minutes in a room with the drum set. It's like the happiest we could ever get. But
1: yeah, but somehow, yeah, no,
0: yeah.
1: You know, you know how people end up being bass players? Like for real, a lot of times, because let me just say, there are some of the best musicians in the world are bass players, but a lot of them aren't. And, 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 um, my brother was one of those. He, no, he's a totally fine bass player. But I think it was just like, oh, less strings, uh, easier to play. Don't even have to really learn chords. Um, but Matt and I, my brother and I, uh, we both bought like the um, Squire starter packs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, where it came with like a small amp and a cable and uh, and a guitar, like really shitty yeah um, guitar. That so, and then he got the bass version. But I think originally at a, at a certain point we almost switched. Cause we were just like, I don't know, let's just do, do whatever. Um, I wasn't really that keen on guitar per se. I was, I was just like, but then like the more I played it, the more I was like, wait, this is, this is like, it became like my one true passion in my life. Like yeah. period.
0: And to put like the listeners and the viewers, you know, kind of in a perspective, point in history that Vlad and I are talking about is kind of an interesting point of history and geographically. We're talking about like the early 2000s northern New Jersey, which at the time was creating a scene of its own that people Mm -hmm. wouldn't really give a shit about till kind of later on. Yeah. Look back at on a now with nostalgia, but like, I remember seeing, you know, this was a time where you could see, you know, like my chemical romance and taking back Sunday in a VFW hall in Ridgewood in front of yeah. like 40 people. So like, yeah. that's the time that we're, which is a, in Northern New Jersey, all these bands saves the day midtown. Um, so that leads me kind of to the next question. So you and your brother started a band was jet Lad Gemini the first band that you guys started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I think, um, yeah, it was called Sight Unseen before then. Yeah, of
0: course and, <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> and I remember we had our first show at Skaters World in Wayne um, and and a bunch of our friends from school came and made us feel like rock stars, which, you know, <laughs> it's, it's funny because like when you have like a supportive like friend group, like when you're in a high school band, it is such a funny, it's really like, it really makes you want to get further because you get so hyped up so quick. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh wow. I'm like in a band and there's people coming to the shows and stuff. But then like when reality hits and you get out of high school, it's a little different, but, um, but no, it was, it was, so we started that band and then Misha, um, a, a friend of ours who was in another band they. Wait, you were in Misha's band, uh,
0: yeah. For okay, a little I, bit. I, I to be honest, I'm I might have introduced Misha to you guys at that, it, it was all kind of c- c- ah, and, you and know what, sexual. That, that's um, very possible. Also,
1: yeah. I, I knew I was friends with uh Eric Liz most who, definitely, yeah, who was playing um guitar in the band actually before maybe we changed our name, but he. I know, well, so his brother, Jesse, who yes. you were good friends with, um, maybe somehow that also, yeah, I don't remember how we met Misha, to be honest. Shout but, out um, to
0: Eric List now, dope tattoo artist, still uh, doing, it, doing it good. Hell he's, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's doing great shit.
1: Man, I'm, I'm so bummed I, I, I still have to get a tattoo by him at, yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, um,
0: yes all right so you meet misha and this the reason we're even talking about this band is because something interesting happened to you guys at a pretty young age um so you start the band you start playing shows you know does it kind of quickly build you know tell us the story of what happened with that band
1: man i don't know i mean like i wouldn't say abnormally quickly anything like it's really funny because like i went back to my um i went to my high school reunion recently and it's insane, like that. Their like, their perception of what happened during sure. those times and how like huge jet lag was in their mind, or like it's it's insane because it was not a reality in my where I was sitting. Anyway, we drew a few people for sure, um, but it was mainly because, like you said, around that time there were music scenes. Kids were going to shows. I remember one of our first shows. We literally rented out um, a, a place called um, uh, shit, Archer Hall, and it was in it, it was in uh, Allendale yeah. at the end of like Main Street. Yes, and
0: um, <laughs> it wasn't it like an old church.
1: It was an old church, yeah. And literally, kids would just go there for any show. Yeah. So we rented out, we rented it out, and we played a show there. I think we had a band called The Problem Play. I remember. Do you remember them?
0: Ooh. Tim, Tim is going to be happy. We're talking about him. Tim, who would be in that band, I might have been in that band at the time. Was, okay. at, my, was at my apartment last week. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's he's doing. Wow. He's traveling through the West Coast. He crashed here for a night. Oh, so cool. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. Funny. That's all coming. Um, from I somewhere. remember
1: really liking that band. Um, yeah, Christian anyway, was the
0: leader of that band. Dope band.
1: Sick. So, um, so we put it on in on a show and charged ten dollars. And and I, I you know. Made three grand, <laughs> which is there was like 300 people or however many fit in there, yeah, right. and it's just insane, man. Because, like, that felt that fell apart at a certain point, but in that moment, people were just, and especially young kids, they were just like wanting to go out and like, smoke and, yeah, and and yeah, exactly. So, um, we're we were very lucky to to be a part of that even though we never really fit musically with with many people there we always felt a bit like outcasts um like we weren't like it was kind of a predominantly emo emo i want to say like a scene but it, it, it felt like it felt like we weren't enough of that even though listening back to it now it's like oh wow well you guys had guitar
0: solos
1: yeah and guitar solos i was like yeah so so that was weird and some people thought it was cool so we did have some fans for sure and then yeah and then i was i think i was like so i was 15 maybe when we started the band and then by when i was 17 we were recording an album and we we got a record deal and we were touring and yeah, it was fucking awesome. Like that was the dream. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I, what I, where I learned how to be a touring musician or, or, or even just where I learned like what I, I wanted out of music and, and I don't know, that's kind of where it all started. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to stay there for a moment because it's almost, you know, we're recording this, What 15 years later than the time frame you're talking about, and what you're talking about, at least in the music business, is almost an archaic model. Um, you're talking about a small indie label, uh, that found a young band, they're like, Hey, we want to give you a couple of bucks, we're gonna give you a van, we're gonna throw you on a tour, you know, as the opening band of five bands or whatever and and, you know i don't know if that is happening nowadays for bands anymore yeah Um, i I,
1: i'm not sure honestly but i don't think so i know for a long time that it's just i mean the internet is the new way of discovery and and i still do really believe in touring and the human interaction part of it but financially it's just it's really hard for people and it's it's left it's left to like a it's almost like only available for rich kids or for people. Yeah. With labels that will spend a lot of money, not even a lot, but we'll, we'll try to chip in a little bit, which doesn't really happen that much until you're like, have a, a fan base, like for real, like, cause labels are only looking at numbers nowadays, Spotify plays, um, instagram followers it's pretty bullshit to be honest uh it's it's a really it's really hard for anybody that has anything special to stick out um unless they do it on their own and then people want to capitalize on that the music industry is the most fucked industry in the world and i have given up on it a long time ago and it was the best it was the most the the moment i said fuck it everybody and i i don't have a team right now i don't have any any team and i haven't for a long time the moment i said like fuck all that bullshit and that's like when i m- my music career took off more than ever and i was able to actually make a proper living off of doing what i do so
0: so all right so again i'm going i'm i'm a linear kind of dude so i'm going to go back yeah. so so jetlag gemini you do a video. I mean, again, you guys live that dream. As an 18-year-old kid, you yeah. literally were living the dream. Um, yeah. You know, you don't have to speak of you know whether you were making any money or not. That's who knows. Um, but you know, at that I can time, tell you. I can tell you. No, <laughs> exactly. So we were definitely the horse's never mouth. Made any. Yeah, but when you're definitely. 18, you don't give a fuck, dude. When you're 25, you don't give a fuck. Um, you, you want to be in that van? You want to be playing those shows? You want to be part of a scene, right? I mean, again, we're exactly talking about it. No, scene. I mean,
1: we This was all. This was all our dream, and and we were willing to. I mean, we've stayed in some sketchy ass uh, apartments and houses through, around America with some really fucking weird people, like. Dangerous situations, um, because it was free, and we met them that night of the show, and you know, also really met some amazing people and had amazing um, experiences. So it, it it all worked out. I'm so happy to have experienced that at a, at a young age. I I think it really shaped, uh, you know, me.
0: Well, yeah, and it did because you did kind of what most people don't do. You didn't quit. Um so when that band broke up, what happened next? Um you didn't quit music, you kind of wanted to yeah, get started. So I, you started another band, right?
1: I started another band. I you know, with jet lag, I wasn't a singer. I didn't I didn't really
0: Were you writing anything in that band?
1: Uh, uh, yes. It, yes, but but yeah, we did write together. Um it was mainly Misha and I that were huh. writing. But honestly, like, I have to take it to the next level where I was like, well, now I have to write by myself and I have to learn how to sing. Like, for real, I didn't know how to sing. Yeah. And, and not that I know now, but, but it's like, it was just, it was, I, I was always a shy kid. And, and to, to get up on stage, like, as the front guy, I, I, I never wanted that, to be honest. I, I was totally fine just playing lead guitar and, uh,
0: like, the slash.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I was definitely a fan uh, at that point. But but yeah, like I just wanted to. To it, it was nice.
0: I I, I, I mean, not like slashing his playing, slashing like be the the dark dude on the side who fucking rips the solos. You know, yeah. no one really could see his face. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like like I'll I'll step out into on the to the front of the stage for like you know thirty seconds, and yeah. I'll go back. Yeah. Like yeah, that, I I loved that. I actually kind of missed that in some ways, but, but yeah, I had to like, everybody wanted to stop because it wasn't financially happening. And there was a lot of things that were promised to us as you, you know, you know how it is. And I know a lot of people know how that is. And like no hard feelings for anybody in my band that wanted to quit at that point, but it was, um yeah they wanted to go back to school to like get real jobs or whatever yeah they've just it was a lot of fucking mental like it, it was a lot of work to be in and way.
0: you're young I mean you're not like in your 20 you're still a teenager
1: and we're young and we were like a like a, a four like a the proper band in the sense that like we barely even had a leader like everything needed to be approved by all of us yeah and and that just doesn't work yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's very hard for that to ever work for a long period of time um anyway so i had started a new band and um wrote some songs sang some songs took me a while to find my voice to be honest. For the longest time, even listening back to the, that early stuff, I was just trying to sound... I was trying to sing at the top of my range. And I have a low voice. I, I, I was trying to always sing at the top of my range just, just to kind of like fit in. Which is the dumbest thing I could have done. But I figured it out later that I don't need to do that. And, and, and I could just more be me rather than trying to emulate something else or
0: whatever. What was the name of that band?
1: Oh, uh, it was called Born Cages. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And remind, did you guys ever, did you guys hop in the van at all with that act? Did you? Yes. Those? Okay. Yeah, we
1: definitely did a, a, was a that, bunch. Was that ago. the
0: incarnation that stayed in my apartment? Some, we, yeah. But just the different members and shit like that.
1: Yeah, we did go okay. through a few member changes again because at that point, you're a little older. I was like maybe 20, 20 to 26. Yeah. Or 21 to 27, something like that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It was a, Both bands lasted six years, um, which is funny. But yeah, so went through some member changes because at that point in people's lives, it's a little harder to sacrifice all of that, that time. And it's a little harder for people to just go on the road without any financial, like, to just literally. Really go and see what
0: happens. Yeah. Well, um, uh, l- can, well. Can I ask you a quick little technical question? Um, yeah. St- along this road, are you know nowadays you spend a lot of your time recording your own music. As the records are going, the bands are going, things are maybe going a little up. Are you paying attention to the studios you're in, the equipment they're using? Are you kind of geeking out on any of that shit back then? Yeah. I mean, because the the sounds of your records back then, audio wise, are they're fantastically engineered. Those Born Cage uh, records are great. You know, audio, audibly they're fantastic sounding. Um, I don't thanks, know where, where were well, they recorded.
1: So a lot of a lot of that actually I did, oh, but dope. I was but I was learning how to produce at that. Point again because I didn't have money to pay people to do it, so I was like, I got that's something where I post my first band. I was like, I really got to get better at Pro Tools at, at that point. on some in Pro Tools, and um, yeah, so I was paying close attention, and then basically, we uh, this guy John Kaplan who did my first band who produced my first band, he did uh record for born cages and he's a great producer and he's I think he mixed like the last um that Black Pumas record that either was maybe it didn't win a Grammy but it was Grammy nominated this past year.
0: Well uh, I'm sorry who's whose record? Uh Black
1: Pumas the Black oh. Pumas yeah um and he's is done, he a like,
0: is he a jersey dude?
1: He was a New York City guy okay, uh, and now. he's in L.A. right now. Nice. Um, so we, were, we recorded a lot in, in, um, in Williamsburg on Prince Street, which is funny, which a funny story there, like quick little thing. It, it was called Mission Sound and it's an amazing studio. Yeah, this guy, Ollie, he has a daughter who sang backup vocals on, like background vocals on the Born Cages album and she was like trying to be a singer at that point and now she's like so famous she's a huge. uh, her name is um uh king princess
0: have you kept in touch with her by any chance um
1: not really yeah i I, I think i i ran into her once and we said what's up nice uh but yeah but anyway it's kind of funny how uh how that happened anyway so so yeah so we were just doing it and john kaplan kind of took my demos and we recorded real drums over them and we recorded a few things on top to like better some of the sounds that i was making but a lot of a lot a lot of the stuff like stayed on there and then there's two songs that i fully produced myself on the on that record um i just wanted to truths baby and uh moving on any which are yeah but anyway i was at that point i was i was i was just like trying to figure out how to do it myself more and more even though I, i never had the money to like actually record through like a proper console and stuff but nowadays like you
0: know how it is uh well it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the dave Grohl story you know a a little a much toned down version of it Uh like when dave Grohl, for people who don't know like when kurt cobain passed away um there were two other dudes in the band right so uh dave Grohl would go on to create a band called the food fighters but that first record i mean was him just like working these demos trying to figure out he he knew he he I mean i think he was writing those songs even when nirvana existed yeah he was he 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 talks about talking with kurt about showing him these tunes and stuff like that but i mean it kind of just goes to show like you know there's a couple kind of people in this world but like some people like when shit hits the fan you know you just you keep going you got to keep going
1: yeah Um, yeah and you know what man i've been through um i i've been around a lot of musicians and and people uh, in my life, that did stop, and I guess that's just honestly, it's it's a fucking hard thing to do, and I get it. But I I I never had a doubt that I would keep going, even if I would be living in a van. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. it, so, um, not saying that that's like the right way to do it, but I just uh, I'm glad that I knew what I wanted to do with my life when I was 12 years old, and I stuck to it with it. And, um, but yeah, there's a lot of people that I've met that like, kind of stopped doing it. Some very talented too. So, I don't know.
0: um, real quick, uh, what's, what was the highlight of that band? Um, any shows, any kind of memory? I mean, you were in the band for six years. You guys stayed in my house, my apartment, a yeah. place on Haight Street. You guys played the rickshaw stop, which actually to this day is the only backstage area I've been in that has a, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I do uh, a soda dispenser, but for beer.
1: Oh my god, I don't remember that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome.
0: how that was the bat. Yeah, it was like a so, and you pressed it, instead <laughs> of like Dr Pepper, it was like you know fucking Pabst.
1: That's wow, I don't remember that, yeah. man. But I do well, remember because
0: I was backstage and drinking free beer. I think that's why.
1: Hell yeah! Well, how, yeah, how can you forget that? Yeah, yeah. but um, now that was, I love that venue, I remember that that was a good that was a good tour. Um, and I don't know, we we did a tour with a band called family force five that was like kind of a weird audience but it was the biggest tour that we did and that was really fun like every night we knew it would be like a sold out show yeah. so that's always like kind of the dream
0: In and getting the experience to play bigger rooms bigger stages different yeah. setups which as you know a younger musician yeah you know, a live musician it's it, it's huge yeah. to get that experience
1: we also got a um, gold record for uh, a, a song that was on <laughs> and now 45. Now, now that's what I call music, which is like a compilation album. And it was, you know, it, it was like pop songs, like Taylor Swift and stuff. And we were like one of the last songs. In. So I have a gold record from that. So that was a cool thing. I guess.
0: Uh, so that band it goes to shit like most bands do. Uh, yeah. Was it amicable? Like, I'm assuming it was kind of, you were just like, I- I'm going to do something else. I mean, what was that transition like? I mean, did you immediately go into the solo work that you're doing now?
1: I actually did a song under a, so- a solo project while Born kids was still happening. Just one. It was almost like maybe testing the waters, but I, yeah, it, it was hard, man. Like it was. I love the people who, especially Dave and Matt. Uh, I was in the band, band with last. We were a three piece, but at, at the end of the day, like we just weren't making enough money or or doing enough things for 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 everybody to like really stay in it with their they get stay you know to keep their head in the game. And it was exhausting because I always tried to even though I wrote all the songs, like any money that came and I tried to split it with everybody, but it it just wasn't enough. And you know, you get older, it just wasn't enough. So like, I think that's one of the main reasons I stopped doing that. And then also to be honest, dude, like the, the main downfall was, I, and it was the last time I'll do it, but we were talking to uh, Atlantic records or, yeah Atlantic and maybe one other major label and uh, you know you you hear things that you don't want to that that's a bad idea but still at that point we're like we need money or we need to be put uh, in a place where we can succeed more
0: who are you hearing these things from your managers agents or from the label or at that point are they all one in the same
1: um no well th- th- our managers are really trying but uh we were meeting with like the A at uh at Atlantic. Who's a fucking piece of shit? So I don't remember. But
0: so, but just so I, I, I'm on the same level, the A and R person is the person referencing when you're, when they're literally saying these com- these things you don't want to hear.
1: No. So what actually they what what they were saying was we like the band, we just think there isn't a song yet, like of the new of the new music that we were presenting. They're like. I don't think there's like a hit single yet. So then I started writing songs that I thought might be hit singles, which is literally the most toxic. I've, I've said this before, but it's 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 the most toxic um, headspace that you can be in to create anything. Is to write for thinking, oh, this person might, I think that they might like this. So let me let me try to write a cheesy pop song or or whatever. And it ended up being just shitty songs for me and for them and for everyone involved, or maybe not. Maybe I'll look back at that and think, "Oh, why didn't I release some of those?" But uh, it was so toxic. And then at the end of the day, they weren't. They were. Le- str- they were stringing us along for half a year when we were really low already, and then. And then that's when we were just like, man, screw this. Like, can't do it anymore.
0: I have, you know, the picture of the A&R guy forever in my mind is like late 90s, dude in the back of the club, you know, his job is to like, he's not a cool person, but his job is he's supposed to be cool
1: dude, and uh, would, Yeah, and he literally gets
0: like, his job is to be comfortable around the talent. Right. And I, you know, I, I picture like a scene in like high fidelity or some like classic movie or whatever. Um, I don't know if it's like that anymore nowadays. I mean, was that kind of like that? Did you have that experience of like the sleazy A no, 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 no,
1: no, 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 Um, I don't think I've ever met that guy.
0: Do they even but exist anymore? I don't even know if they exist. I'm
1: anymore. I'm sure they don't N- nowadays. A people worry about TikTok, and and honestly, I don't. Like, I don't want to be anywhere around that. But um, um. No, the NR people that I've kind of been around are, they, they themselves think that they are the rock stars and that you should be only, like so grateful to be in a room with them because they have the power to change your life. That's kind of the vibe that I get. And it's such bullshit. It's all failed musicians.
0: Interesting. I always thought it was like people who went to Pepperdine.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, dude, I, or maybe I they went really... to Pepperdine and they they also try to be in a band. Uh, yeah, like, like for bird a free... band. <laughs> uh, everyone knows Reeb on the podcast. She was eating my uh,
1: literally, oh, eating man.
0: my shorts. Um,
1: oh man, I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so so now so that band you're like all right. Yeah, oh. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> oh, I was kidding. Um. So that ends again mostly let me ask you this question if you guys were making money at that time would you have kept that project going
1: probably because Uh because um there would have been a lot less negativity so we probably would have been in a better headspace yeah and it sucks to think like that man because I, i I get that, like you're. I'm not doing this to make money, like, and I don't think. I mean, some people do. I don't think I've ever really surrounded myself with people that were like only doing it for the money, at all. But at a certain point, I was in a different situation because I was like writing the songs. I was the front guy, and then like everybody else felt a little less, um, um, eager to give their whole life up to this. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well, I I mean, yeah, I've experienced with this, you know, like the last band I was in was called, well, the, I'm sorry. The second to last band I was in, I was touring with was called Pasole and it was, it literally all hinged on one guy. And when he decided that it was just no longer like, I was just like, well, what the fuck, you know? So that dynamic is there, you know, there's a responsibility there. People have, you know, yeah Other I,
1: I i will say i've never so i've only really been in two bands i guess but i've never quit on anybody i've i've all on, i've only <laughs> waited until every like until everybody knew that this wasn't what they wanted to do like yeah. i i didn't I, I i would never do that i don't think
0: yeah yeah um yeah so so you it dissolves you had started writing these kind of these solo songs did you play? Yeah. a show? I mean, did you? Were you at open mic the next night? I mean, how you know? How, how, how you know? Yeah, how quickly? Were you? sort of, dude.
1: Actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, did you so ever play the open
0: mic at the living room? Is the living room still there?
1: Man, I don't even know. I'm not sure. That I, I, um, no, I never. Okay. I never really did an open mic in, in my life.
0: You've never done an open mic? No,
1: no. Vlad, I don't know why.
0: You, I, next time we next time I see you, dude, we're going to go out of our way to find an open mic. Let's go. And we'll, we'll play We'll play a song together.
1: I would love that. I would love that. That's crazy. Um, So I started the solo project. Well, for a few reasons, but the sound of it that was, you know, I'm still developing, I guess, but I kind of wanted with, with my last band, it was like, um, I wanted it to be really big sounding and, and and like anthemic in a way where it it kind of came just it just happened that i want like that's what i i wanted this the songs to be like and then my publishing company kept asking me to write more songs like that for like sync for tv and film and stuff and i did some and they were like i did i started doing it a lot and i was just so bored of doing like Here's a grand entrance to a big chorus.
0: And all, but also that was kind of the sound at that time. And correct me if I'm wrong, you know, we're talking about bands like when, you know, when Muse was the fucking biggest band in the world. Yes. And like, yeah, like yeah, Monkeys yeah. were putting out fucking power records. And that, right, right. I, I think of it as power rock. That's what I've always in my head. It's power yeah, rock. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, honestly, like it was fun and it was about, like, I wanted the live show to be like intense and and, and energetic and and like a, a fun thing for everybody and anyway i i just so i said i i wanted to do the complete opposite now um so i started writing like songs that were intentionally lo-fi like 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 the sounds i wanted them to be almost emulating because at the time i didn't really have a lot of analog I, I know I, I recorded guitars, but I didn't have like old shit. I didn't have tape. I didn't have tape delays or, or or tape machines or anything. So I was just like kind of trying to emulate that kind of stuff. Yeah, and um, and to sing lower and to be to, for every song to every song's tempo to be like five BPMs slower than it what it should be
0: (laughs) well i mean but you said this was a conscious decision right
1: yeah so i was like i was like that's what i want to go for i wanted i want to do something that was just new to me um and that's where i started and quit playing cool as a song that i came up with that was the first one i released and then kind of took it from there yeah
0: um, uh, were you still, uh, well, you said pro tools earlier, but I, you're not a pro tools guy anymore, right? You're, you know, yeah. No. So did you, had you already made that change in software? Were you recording in logic at that point?
1: Actually? Um, no, quit playing cool was the last song I did in pro tools.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and why then, did you change and why um, then? Man, why then?
1: For a year, because my workflow was just not, I knew it could be better. And for years, uh, people were trying to get me to change. I had a a write with this guy, Dave Tozer, who um, is like a big Logic producer. And I think he was like teaching at NYU, like a Logic course. And he like talks to Apple about like implementing his ideas into it. He's like a head producer kind of guy. He did like John Legend's All of You and and stuff like that. So he was like, dude, you got to, just so like bite the bullet and learn it. And he gave me some notes. I, wrote, I still have like a note on my phone with like certain shortcuts or certain like ways to do things. And it, within a week, I was like so much faster than I ever was in Pro Tools. I I was in Pro Tools for 10 years at that point.
0: I mean, it's a heated debate, dude. I mean, it's like Pepsi Coke. Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, you're talking to, I I went to audio engineering school to learn Pro Tools specifically. Yeah. Um, It's like or Mac PC. Uh, Wild, yeah, wild, wild.
1: Yeah, and in a way, and yeah, it's like Mac versus PC. And in a way, well, first of all, logic is, Apple. You can tell that it was made by Apple because it just makes sense. <laughs> and then Pro Tools is like supposed to more emulate like the actual hardware.
0: Well, well yeah. And, Logic and, is, they always say it's the more musical software.
1: Yeah. And it's just a lot easier to have. You have an idea. Yeah. You, you, you put it down. I mean, honestly, I'm not a purist. I, I love old instruments, but I will pull up the Mellotron sound on Logic like any day. And it through some guitar pedals or whatever to fuck it up a bit, but like, there's nothing wrong with that. The sounds alone that it comes with were, were and it's two hundred dollars. Like, it's nuts. It's it's so stupid and, and cheap. You
0: could you could use any interface. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I yeah. Get, I get right. The, con- the
1: interface. The yeah. interface. Yeah. Because I had a fucking mbox before. I think
0: I get the conversation for two. I remember I learned on the mbox two. Pro Tools version 6.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I might have been in 7. And before Pro Tools, by the way, the first time I ever tried any sort of music production or writing, like putting it on paper. Um, Fruity Loops.
0: Never did it. Um, I, I definitely fucked with Cubase, right? Like, yeah, early. but do you, I mean my first recordings, man? And this is you know, now we're dating ourselves because now we're getting old. Uh, do you, I had the four track task scam with the little faders? And but you could double the uh, you could like record over on the same tracks, so you could do two takes on one track to make it an eight track and me yeah. um, a Tim who we talked about earlier dude him and I would get fucking baked in my basement i don't know if you remember my basement but it was we we get baked down there and we recorded like half of dark side of the moon <laughs> just <laughs> Just me. I, I I was on guitar, he was on drums. I love that. And yeah, yeah. Just teach. You know. You know. We only had two microphones for the drums yeah. And Dude, he, I
1: have that. I I think I have that. I have a Teak One Forty Four. It's like
0: yeah. four track. Um, well, now you come full circle because now yeah. everything is fucking with old shit. So, alright, yeah. So let, let's kind of get back to that. Um, you you make that transition. Is that when you also kind of decide to stop? And correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of started maybe doing more s- just singles releases as opposed to full albums. And yeah, you know. I don't really know
1: why that happened, but I think I was just taking a long time to write because I was creatively a little like I don't know, I wasn't in the best place maybe, but yeah, I was like, why not just put it out song by song, uh, rather than work towards a body because there was no that was like there was no formula anymore and, uh, all of that had gone out the window and the music industry kind of figured that out um they, which, figured the way, out that
0: they don't know what the fuck is going on
1: yeah yeah i'm a huge fan of albums i still haven't put out an album with my thing, but um i don't know if i will anytime soon because um because i don't know it's just it's it's nice to be able to write something and to put it out. I remember I put out a song in, a song called um, like in the movies, which was one of my bigger solo
0: songs. Love great song. That's probably my you know. But I love the Born Cages stuff. But yeah, that's a great tune, my man. And for people, who can check check that out. That's a great song.
1: Appreciate it. So with that song, I literally um like. I think two days before it came out, I was still working on it and, and I submitted a re- revision to uh, the distrib- the distributing company, whatever. Um, and, and then, yeah. And it's kind of crazy, like to to be able to do that. And, and on my end to like, be like, actually I want to change it a little, little bit. And then nowadays, actually I can't really do that anymore. It needs to be like a month in advance. But the fact that I could do it like two days before and then it came out and it got put on new music Friday, which is like one of the biggest playlists there is on Spotify uh-huh. or the biggest. So like kind of crazy. Cause I did it all by myself and I had no idea any of that was going to happen. And, and again, yeah, I love how DIY it, it was and is still. And that I'm able to just work on it all the time and put it out as I want to, rather than I need to work on an album for like five years and then, you know what I mean? And then like put it out, um, and then get it mastered and, and, and all that stuff. And I, (laughs)
0: I mean it's a, you know it's a whole different world now and you know like there are bands who can do that like a band that I'm sure you and I are both fans of uh, the strokes right like the strokes are a band that I will wait 7 years for them to post, Oh totally and I know when that record comes out it's going to be a piece of art that I will be able to cherish the rest of my life
1: yeah it's it's, it's different with a band like that man because like i we all want to be at that point and and i would love to do that too but you have to there's like a fight to stay relevant which is a really fucking horrible horrible idea but even with your own with my own fans for example my whole my all of my fans like the, the general like thing that I get from them is that they really like what I'm doing, which I'm very, I'm so thankful. They really like that. I'm doing what I'm doing. They know that not a lot of people, they know that I'm underrated or they, they say that, that like the, and I feel like I almost like the fact that I'm like a little secret, like best kept secret kind of thing. So, um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but I think it was like.
0: Well, we we were talking we were talking about albums and you know how people release music nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I right? So, it's
1: that, it's right, right, right.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, you can name a whole bunch of artists. You know, John Mayer comes to mind immediately. He's kind of dude he'll he'll just unannounced will put out a single. Um, right. You know, and, and it, it, there'll be a whole social media campaign behind it. Um mean, he's kind of one of the people who, but he also he's still putting out albums.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and
0: he's playing. He's a person I pay attention to only because, well, for a couple of reasons. But uh he he keeps a pulse on what the fuck is going on, and he, I use him as kind of my antenna. Of I don't listen to too much popular music. Yeah, yeah. But he's my antenna of like, what's the business doing right now? You know, mm-hmm. um, for a dude who plays the guitar? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, it, going forward, you know, are are you sitting on a, a you know, do, is there a Prince vault of music that you have that people don't know about that we'll find 30 years from now? You know, what, <laughs> what is your, pro- so, yeah. well, what's your process? I mean, are you always writing shit that you just kind of keep away, keep away? And how do you? Yeah. Do
1: that? And then I rediscover it and I finish it. That's kind of my process, to be honest. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like I'm I haven't announced it yet, but I'm putting out an EP in November. So it is gonna be like six songs in one go, which normally I don't I've only done that once before put out an EP, but everything else is just single, 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 single. So like it's I love EPs,
0: man. Eps are my will always be my favorite release format. I I I love EPs, man. (laughs) Yeah
1: there's less, there's also less pressure because people think that when you're putting out an album, like the music industry thinks that you, okay. So that you're like trying to get a Grammy or like, you're trying to do this or you're trying, you know what I mean? Like there's like a little more pressure, Uh, but not that any of that is fucking real or tangible. It, It doesn't really matter. None of it matters. All that matters though. I know where I'm sitting. I wish that I was putting out more music so i'm just trying to consciously do that and i already have like songs for the next dp that i'm finishing up before i'm releasing this i just want to release more music and i'll probably release like a song a month leading up to it uh like three or four and then something like that so like yeah in a way it's almost still like singles (laughs) Because then people can pay attention to each song, and it's a little more, you know what I mean? It's a little more like, uh, not just like, here's a whole body of work, and some of it might just like fall through the cracks. You
0: know? It's tough. I mean, you know, but music, you know, I, I've steered away. I, I still play live music, but you know, it's not something I'm sitting here pursuing right now. I've been mm-hmm. writing a lot, and. Um, with writing, it's you, you spend hours and hours, thousands of hours alone working on something that most people are probably not going to like right off the bat. Yeah. With music, you know, as a listener within – whatever – seven seconds whether you yeah. want to keep listening to the fucking yeah. stuff, right with a book dude it's like i can spend five years i i did i spent five years writing a rock and roll novel that is pretty much done and i'm like oh, yeah. i read it and i'm like i would read this book but a book is so much yeah investment of time where it comes with music it's just like you know how much effort is it to go on a spotify playlist but here's the thing and let me ask you this question let me ask you your opinion about this you know when we when napster came along people said it was the end of the music business and that it would lower the playing field now Mm -hmm. that everyone can record you know a double album in their you know basement yeah it has it lowered the playing field. Are you bat? Are you, do you find, is it a different battle to get your music heard? Is there so much shit out there? That- yeah, yeah,
1: of course. But also like, it's just a different, there's different obstacles. Like that's the obstacle is that everybody can put out music and d- does. And how do you get heard? How do you get listened? How do you, how do you get listeners? if people are just constantly getting stuff thrown at them, it's it's a bit overwhelming, but honestly, I'm a firm believer that if you, that people will figure they'll find out stuff that they like artists that they like. I mean, honestly, like I've been doing this a long time and I think there's a lot of people out there that definitely don't know me or maybe never will that would like my music. Right. So, so, but uh, in one way or another, if I keep active, like they might then they might just hear of me and then go back on my you know
0: well, people are so fucking fickle it's it, it always reminds me of the Louis c k joke, like mm-hmm. I know everyone hates him, but he was he was funny at one point, uh and he had some really funny jokes, but people can hear just not like you because of your haircut. And, you yeah. know, again, but they, if they heard your music and the joke he's talking about is he's like standing in line in a bank and there's a dude in front of him who's wearing shoes that he just doesn't like. And, he, and the joke is, he's just like, I hate this guy. He's like, I want this yeah. guy to die. Right, you know, like, it's just like you could hate someone so much mm-hmm. for a t-shirt they're wearing um with the music thing you know it's interesting i find authors nowadays even with social media there has to be a presence they have to have a look there has to be a thing yeah. um but at the same time you know yeah i mean you know how much are you fucking thinking about you know what
1: well to be honest to be honest dude that was one of the things that i let go of a long time ago um but when you when when you're in a band and you're trying to be successful, and you're young, and you, you yeah you think about all that stuff. You're like, Horse. wait, dude, maybe people maybe like my haircut is really dumb, and people are like, oh, I don't even want to listen to that shit. You know what I mean?
0: I'm and not wearing the right Dickies me. pants, or uh, yeah, like
1: these yeah, these pants aren't tight enough. These pants are too tight. Um, it literally it's it's like. That is so toxic and um it's it's all bullshit. Yeah. And but they they might people like people can gravitate towards an artist more than just on the music. More than ever. Back in the day, music was better because <laughs> anybody could wait, make wait, po- be, be, be careful,
0: be careful. Think about what you're gonna say. <laughs> no,
1: no, because because people I agree today, with you people didn't care even to, to even know what their famous what their like the music that they were listening to even looked like of course if they didn't put it on the album cover like their photo you, you might not even fucking know uh, it, you know was in the, not in all cases but and i think there's something really cool about that because then it was literally all about it wasn't about like oh, oh how many do they have like a good following on on tiktok or instagram and like what are their press photos like and uh what kind of content are they sharing beyond their music that's all it's all it's all noise but in today's climate you have to put yourself out there like that otherwise it'll be a lot harder for people to find you
0: Sure. And I mean, this all, all evolved, right? I mean, this started, you know, I, I guess, you know, the episode, you know, with MySpace, right? With the friends, yeah. how many friends did you have? And then yeah. you had the Facebook page and, you know, how many likes can you get? And you can, you you could hire bots to get fake likes. And that's how, being, yeah, that's crazy. how I booked every fucking tour um, was just how many likes you know, and then it evolved to Instagram and now TikTok. Um, where do you, are you a forward thinking kind of dude? Where do you see this going? I mean, you know, where do you see this all evolving into? Five? I think it's I,
1: I think it's going to implode on itself, and uh, and people are going to stop caring about that. I, I do think that. I don't know.
0: When you say that, do you mean all of social media? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> or at least, yeah, I do. I I think so. Social uh-huh. media is rotting our brains, mine included. And I am on it for sure. Um, it's, it's toxic and it's creating our, it's bad for music because it's shortening our attention spans. And that's why albums aren't a thing. Cause it would be nice to put together an album where, okay, this song in the middle just is a mood to get you to, let me think of it as a, as a flowing thing, which I still can not do. I just don't, but rather than you mean the oh,
0: sequencing well, of an album,
1: yeah yeah whereas
0: there is an art form to that
1: there is an art form to that but i'm saying people care about that less they're they're more like give me give me like 10 singles (laughs) yeah and 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 it's uh it's yeah so it's and but not even that man it's like give me a single that has that can get people hooked within um two to five seconds. Like yeah, his name
0: is Billy Joe sport. Armstrong. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like it needs <laughs> to be, yeah, it needs to be like
0: rivers. Uh, I mean, you know, you, yeah. you could break it down. We had, we had this guy, you probably don't know the guy, but you know, the topic of it. Um, his name is John Seabrook. He was a, he's a right. He's a New Yorker columnist, but he wrote mm-hmm. a book. God, um, now the fucking net, the net, totally just anyways, it they don't back yeah. to me, but yeah. the book is about, it's the song machine and he talks about pretty much max martin you know who max martin is yeah he breaks that shit down dude and sync backstreet boys jessica simpson britney Spears, and he you know you could almost break this shit down to a formula um you know it's been done in rock music you know rivers cuomo talks about it. he's done it um, yeah, you know, do you look at music now as an equation? Do you look at music as still something that you just want it to be? You know, are you? Do you wait for the muse? You know, are you a John Lennon or are you a Paul McCartney? How how, how do you do it? I
1: I wait for the inspiration and I try to write a song that evokes a feeling. Period. And 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 has some lyrics that make you feel like. That, that that it's like something my ideal lyric that's a good lyric is like is, is something that you can really relate to but it hasn't really been said in that way or you haven't or, and it makes you feel like almost nostalgic or sad or <laughs> and, and, and but in a good way like oh i feel like i feel like i understand myself better after hearing that
0: do you that's, write your lyrics i'm sorry but do you write your lyrics before after mm-hmm. or during
1: um during most of the time during sometimes before sometimes after most of the times like as i'm i'm kind of figuring out what the music is doing and the vibe and that feeling it i'm trying to just create like a mood really with these songs rather than let me write a pop song that said i've, I've like i do know like the the basic structures of a pop song and sometimes i follow some of the rules but most of the time I, i'm glad to know the rules so that i can break them um but yeah that said i don't know like i wrote a song for this guy with this guy and produced it and it was like it went it was like number two on the radio in switzerland recently And
0: he, uh, and I'm sorry. Hold on. That that's, uh, that's immediately like the, the plot of like a Will Ferrell movie. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Like dude has a number two song on, but he's all people will only know him in Switzerland. So he has to go to Switzerland and he gets there. (laughs) But since his song is only number two, the promo isn't a lot. Do I, the whole movie it's, I I just wrote it in my head. It's all there. I love it.
1: You can go with it. That's hilarious. Um, and yeah, and this guy like did like a world tour for a long time for like a, a year and a half with Shania and Twain. Um so it was like cool to be able to do something like that for me and, and to write like stuff like that too. But but no, with my own music, I'm I'm almost like I'm just trying to create I, I've been trying to hone into sound and a mood that I can literally just like fall back into and to do more things in that vein. That was the goal, and it was a conscious goal. And I think that a lot of people try to do that because then at that point you have a fan base that kind of just like your songs, period. It doesn't need to be like reinventing the wheel on any level. They just like the the vibe. And that's, that's, that's what I've been trying to do.
0: Um, and you know, following you, you know, we're on opposite sides of the country. So know, yeah, if I lived in New York, I'd be going to your shows, but it looks like you're playing shows solo. I mean, with backing tracks and, and is that how you're doing it?
1: It depends. Um, I, I have done that and I'm, I've done it with a full band of like five piece. Uh, um, I've done so, it.
0: How, how do you do? Can you talk more about how you, tr- I mean, how do you trigger those sounds? I mean, are you map? Do you map all, is everything mapped out? To the
1: yeah, well, it depends on what the setup is, but there's you into
0: back in the day. You were you had the light. I mean, you were at you know when yeah, you always were into that shit. So
1: I am into that stuff, but I'm also into like making it as as real and human as possible for the live show, but also not to the degree where it's like, let me just not play this part because I can't hire. Uh, you know a string quartet <laughs> um but that said i yeah it depends It it, it var- yeah it varies from show to show to be honest but a lot yeah. of stuff is either triggered on a spd pad or mimics in a certain way with uh like even i have different songs that have a kick and snare trigger on the kick and snare drum and it kind of goes to like what I use in in that specific song and just trying to get as close to like what I imagined on the recording, you know? And,
0: and the dudes are the people who play in your band. I mean, um are you doing a lot of rehearsals with them? Or are they kind of just learning the tracks to the stuff? They-, they,
1: yeah, they kind of just learn it. Like actually all my band is and living in LA right now. So, so that- well,
0: let me, Oh, well, hold on, let me ask you a question. Yeah, you've been a East Coast dude for your—I mean, for pretty much your whole life. I mean, you. Yeah, yeah. Would you ever live in LA? Any, any? You ever think about it? Um, is there any? Is the business still there
1: in New York?
0: No, in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: That's where it the is. business still is, right? I mean, that's where you know it is. It so,
1: like so to answer your question like yeah it it would make sense for me to to do that, but i'm I don't think I'm gonna do that uh-huh
0: <laughs>
1: honestly, like it's a little the people play the game a little too much there, and uh because of that it's a little it's a little fake it's a little too fake for
0: me the l a thing to me always has been. <laughs> I'm laughing because we we have a couple of people in common that I we live in L.A. and this has happened to me. The L.A. thing to me, it's the quintessential looking over your shoulder city. So like you and I are talking and within 13 seconds, I'm trying to look over. your. Who else can I talk to that I can leapfrog? Yeah. That's always been. And I've been to some weird fucking L.A., weird L.A. party. Yeah. And I'm that's sure. every interaction with every human being I've ever dealt with there.
1: Yeah. No I don't think I would do it to be honest, but I do want to visit more and and I want to play shows there more for sure yeah and i I think I'm doing one in October I'm trying to do one in October Did but, you
0: announce, are you going on tour again are you going on a you announced something right you're opening for someone
1: yeah yeah on a, in November and December I'm doing nice. uh, a, a tour that's not coming to the west coast though. So. okay but um but i'm I'm trying to play and tour as much as i possibly can so i'm i'm you know doing my best yeah but but yeah so i don't know um i do want to come there more often but i'm not going to live there new york uh, is the greatest city i can so cliche to say it but i can't every time i go anywhere else even when it's somewhere like nashville which i have considered moving there Ugh. And I have some really, I have some really good friends there. Don't go to Austin.
0: Uh,
1: Austin, Austin, oh, what a sh-
0: <laughs> what a shithole.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I've, I've never spent too much time in those cities. Did you ever to, do like, South?
0: Did you ever do South by?
1: I've done it like, yeah, like six, seven yeah, times. Bro, Austin yeah. sucks. No. it's... I have an Austin, Texas tattoo from South By. Oh
0: no! Um, <laughs> it, what's funny because you think of like music cities, and what's a music city nowadays? I, I don't know. I mean, the last music city was Nashville, that like was popping, right? People, yeah, like uh, the Black Keys, fucking Johnny Depp, yeah. there. No,
1: it's still happening. Honestly, there's
0: very Nashville is
1: Nashville. The community there is. Uh-huh. It's, it's really it's insane because like, like I played a show.
0: I like um, a
1: I played a show in a backyard that a friend threw uh, a, a show in, in his backyard, um, like last month. Okay. Um and uh and randomly Orville Peck was there, Jenny Lewis.
0: Oh, dude! I listened to Acid Town like two weeks ago.
1: Um, that record,
0: dude. Oh man, she is.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um. And and some other people I'm forgetting that uh, Noah Cyrus, uh, one of the Cyruses, yeah. And 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 this uh, Casey Musgraves, who's like friends with with these people, but um, and she's great. But anyway, the, the, what I'm saying is like that happens in Nashville. and that wouldn't happen in New York. It wouldn't. Uh, and 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 in L.A., I guess there, yeah, there's probably like certain things like that happening. I don't know, but. You know it's it's i i love this city too much to uh to move from here and i feel like i f- I, I finally feel like a new yorker uh, uh whereas you know i was born in romania and i moved to jersey yeah. and and then i always looked at new york as like man that's where i want to be but i feel like a jersey kid and i f- finally feel like a real new yorker and i it's uh, I can't describe the feeling, but it's a. Uh, I can't move to LA. I can't. I, I can't get yeah, no,
0: it. I get it. LA is a vibe, man. It's it's. You know, I, the only place I, I live in SF. I've been here for ten years, and I mm-hmm. love this city. But the city yeah. is—it's a, a vibe. You have to be on this yeah. vibe. If you're not, you're gonna hate it here. Exactly. Um, but New, but New York's—you know—I I was born in—I uh, was born in Queens, but I, you know, we were raised where they filmed The Sopranos. But the yeah. longer I stay away from Jersey, the more Jersey I become. It's <laughs> weird. As I get older, I don't know why. That's uh, funny. But, dude, I miss – the thing about New York is just like, dude, I miss just get the fuck out of my way. I don't care about – you. like, let's yeah. go, let's go. Everyone is hustling. No one's yeah. wasting their fucking time. Yeah. Even if it's a dude who's making sandwiches at Subway, that dude is hustling. Like, everyone's yeah. on a hustle there. Um, But if the hustle isn't your hustle, what do you do, right? So it's interesting. Yeah. That about Nashville? I don't know. I, I I I haven't spent time in the scene of Nashville. I
1: just- yeah yeah yeah. It's a lo- it's a little more relaxed, but people there are a lot more. It's more about writing a song, like that's yeah. Like
0: I mean, shit, the Blowfish, fucking Darius Rucker's. I mean, you know, I mean, look at him. I mean, um, yeah, he's the perfect uh, example.
1: <laughs> there's 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 a lot of amazing music history there, and you know, I'm not so much in like the country pop thing uh where it's like kind of not really country but it slows a twang but uh, yeah i don't know i i have some friends that are in successful uh bands that that are doing that and they're amazing people and uh, um they're just like all everybody's such a music lover there yeah and i really love that and also the musicianship there, like if you walk into a bar, is probably the best in the world. Like it's insane. There's, yeah. there's like little American Legion halls where literally where where people are going to square dance, and like the the sickest laugh steel player in the world is playing there, and it's you know it's like a donation based entry.
0: Yeah, and
1: I don't know. I met also one of my heroes, Jack White, uh, there, and he has. He he has um, third man records there. Um and he was like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um he gave me a guitar but and uh that he kind of like I, I like he's part of that too. He's like he's been in Nash for a long a long time. And it's it's uh it's it's just like a certain kind of like air they breathe there. That's it's very it's it's a little shocking from coming from New York and going there because everybody's so nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the beginning of the southern charm, right? It's yes, the south the, but not the south.
1: Yeah. But not in the way where LA does it where as soon as you turn your back like like they're like so nice to meet you. And it's like, oh the fucking asshole. Yeah, LA like,
0: bro, LA is such a fucking weird yeah. place, man. It's so well
1: and honestly, if you know weird. how to if if you're career driven and and you know how to work that and that's what you want to do, then cool. But I don't I honestly don't really want to be around people that play that game and they climb the social ladder yeah. because Obviously, like some of my favorite musicians are big, successful musicians, but that doesn't mean that the way that I don't, I don't, I don't think any, I don't, I don't want to ever have like climb, like try to like weasel my way into a room like that. I'd rather just be me and hope that at some point I get to meet some people, which like I just said, I, that, that happens sometimes. So it's like very it's very rewarding when it does. And you're not like looking over everyone's shoulder like, who who can I talk to that's more famous?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, and there's classic success stories of people getting launched through just, you know, being at the right place at the right time, yeah. whatever, you know, one example kind of pops into my head and it's just a bummer because they just announced their farewell tour, but one of the most talented rock and roll bands of the last 20 years, Dr. Dog, Ah, uh, they got their start because Homeboy kind of knew the dude from My Morning Jacket, Jim James, and, right? right. Mm-hmm, and handed him like literally like, handed him a demo. And no, I love uh, that. Was just, and different then they, times though. Also, <laughs> what's that?
1: Uh, it, different times though, but uh, but but that is, I mean, that can still happen, and actually, kind of does where a fame a celebrity will discover someone for one reason or another then can then tweet about them and it's like here you go roller coaster has started um mm-hmm. but yeah actually a friend of mine so, uh not to cut you off but no. alex um toast he's in a band called rubble bucket that's from around here
0: wait but, uh, um, from vermont are they from Vermont? Maybe Rubble, I know I know Rubble Bucky. Yeah. Well, okay. they probably live in New York. No, they're a Vermont yeah. band. Okay. No, I know yeah. them. They uh the i j- am I'm I'm heavy into the jam band scene. And they were like when it. they first started, they were a little bit of like jam band darlings, but then people realized they weren't jamming. Uh, yeah. No, they're dope. They put on a dope live show.
1: Yeah. Is is so, he
0: like the main guy out of the duo? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, and he has a solo project called just his last name, Toast. And he's uh, pl- he's doing that tour, the Doctor Dog.
0: Um, oh, there. okay, dope. Yeah, I uh, dude, I'm fucking bummed because the only their SF date. Th- I hate when bands do this, but I get why. Uh, their SF date is at Outside Lands, the f- big fucking festival. Got it. You know, so me yeah. and my buddy, I don't know if I remember Andrew Sokoloff, but he, he lives out here. Uh, sure. I got his tickets. They're playing uh, in. Uh, we're gonna go to the Portland show.
1: Uh, okay cool they'
0: they're adding extra dates because every single every so it keeps selling out they keep adding yeah. dates um and it's interesting right now maybe just you tell me but booking shows right now is it kind of weird book a- coming out of this pandemic is there kind of like a backlog are people competing for dates
1: yeah they are but also I mean I only know new York because I'm you don't just like call up random venues like to book your own tour I guess you could but Maybe I should. Um, but no, yeah, it was weird. Uh, I So my first show back was at a venue called Berlin. Um, literally, uh, I live like uh, one block away
0: from it. Dope. Uh,
1: second and A. Is
0: and, it like a um, rock club or what kind of venue is yeah, it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Jesse Mallon, do you know him? He owns What's it. What's the name? Jesse Mallon.
0: Sounds, sounds familiar.
1: He He's like kind of an East Village guy like been here a while. Like he, he releases his own music and he's done stuff with like Billy Joe Armstrong and, um, and, uh, Bruce Springsteen. And like, he's like, all, like he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of a big deal around Does here, he own the club. Yeah. He owns a few of so. like, these bars that like are sometimes venues too. And kind it's like, like a like,
0: pianos kind of vibe. Yeah, a little
1: cooler than piano. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I mean that was no, a drawbag. Pianos even around anymore.
1: Yeah. Oh are.
0: shit. Dude, is yeah. the Continental still around? That no. was a cool, fun little club in New York.
1: I yeah, that was one of my, my favorites for sure. I have a t-shirt. I have a Continental t-shirt. That was it's a funny story because that was my first time playing in New York City uh, okay. with my first band. And we were opening up for a band called The Matches that we later. From that show, they became like our fucking gods. Yeah. And by the way, I think the guy lives in San Francisco. Uh, Sean oh, Harris. cool. And uh, he's what? an and he's an illustrator now for children's books. I think.
0: Cool. Uh, what was it? What's his name?
1: Sean Harris.
0: Sean Harris. Yeah. I'll, maybe I'll reach out if he's on Instagram or something. I'll reach out to him. That'd be dope. Yeah,
1: he is. I'll I, I have, I'll send you the the handle. Okay, great. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. definitely get him on your on your podcast. Duh. Um. And man, I so jet lag. Loved the matches so much. I still do, but they blow us away. We opened for them at the Continental, and at some point, I think like Guns N' Roses played there, and uh, I forget who else. A bunch of people. Um, that place definitely. It's sad that whole building was is demolished. Yeah. So I walk by there now, and I'm like.
0: No, yeah. I but. mean, you know, there's classic SF clubs that like, you know, that I feel like will never, will always hopefully be here. Like bottom of the hill. You know, that was like, yeah. that defined a whole fucking time of like that late nineties fat record scene. That was, that was uh, all cool. bottom of the hill. Um, you know, they're but, like New York CBGBs is fucking gone. You know, yeah. like what? dude roseland ballroom one of the coolest fucking venues ever gone yeah you know, what like but i'm trying to think like what heady new york clubs are still like doing it is there like a fillmore is there what is
1: um i mean i guess serving plaza the strokes just played dope. there
0: yeah that, that's but, been a long time. yeah it, it has hall
1: what
0: and you know what? Now I'm answering my own question because now it's all coming to me. Webster yes, Hall, Weber Hammerstein Hall is Ballroom. Still
1: happening, Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, Bowery Ballroom. Um, I saw,
0: dude, I saw Irving Plaza, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in live music. The show was, I couldn't tell you the opening band, but the middle band was My Chem. It was, they had just literally that week. Had just released the, the record that would make them famous, uh, Three Cheers for Something. Yeah. The, oh, the headliner was Face to Face. Dude, when fucking My Chem came on, when the lights went down, dude, when I say there was a rush of people that ran to the stage, dude, it was, I've never seen anything like it in my fucking life. It mm-hmm. was just, and like, this was a band, you were seeing a band that was, they knew they were gonna be famous, but it, like, it just, was about it was you know i'm getting goosebumps just talking about it yeah was, uh, I,
1: mean, I, I actually really i love that right no yeah yeah we played there with my first band and misha like stage dive from from like he climbed i think he crowd surfed and then he climbed uh there's a video of it somewhere and it's kind of sick I'm sure.
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah um the Irving plaza was
0: was a yeah. really fun yeah. one um, so, what, what, so what's the future for you now? I mean, are you going to focus? Do you want, are you looking forward to getting back on the road? I mean, how do you, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. I so am. You're, I am but love it's, it.
1: it's, again, it's like, there's different levels of it. Like depending on what tour I might, I might be doing a bunch of solo, um, like, uh, shows like just, me and, yeah. Yeah. Um, or if it's like, a legit tour then i'll bring out more people and like play like i really want to if there's like money to be yeah you know or people so i could like afford to do all that um so I, I i don't know that's really the dream and to just keep releasing music like that's kind of and it
0: and maybe become a better violin player right
1: maybe that <laughs> i'm getting there though
0: glad dude thanks so much for taking the time man <laughs>
1: Oh, hell yeah. It was oh. great to catch up, man.
0: Oh, yeah. What a blast, man. Um, uh, I, Obviously, we've talked about it. Let people know uh, your handles and whatnot, the social media, what you, what you do, where you are.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just at Vlad, Holl- Vlad Holiday uh, on Twitter. I don't know why I said Twitter first. I never go on there. On the social media stuff. And uh, yeah. I don't know. Check out my music on Spotify or Apple Music if you haven't and um, hope you dig it.
0: Dude, thanks so much, man. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk to you later.
1: Cheers. Later.